Okay, if you want to be making your, your way uh, to the end of the uh, hymnal, or uh, since you have your note sheet, uh, you can cheat if you'd like, and uh, use the catechism question there. We are on question 36. Let me get some things off the stand here. Question 36 today. We are continuing to be in a section called the the Order of Salvation or the Ordo Salutis. And we've covered many things. And in the weeks to come, we'll try to sort of summarize where have we been because we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, But we come to question 36. Um, Having looked at justification, adoption, sanctification, uh, I love that this uh, question phrases it, uh, what are the benefits which accompany and flow from, as if justification and adoption and sanctification weren't enough? (laughs) God just blesses us. Um, So let me read the question and then read the answer with me. Uh, What are the benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? The benefits which in this life do accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification are assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Ghost, increase of grace, and perseverance there unto the end. What a wonderful answer. Uh, Romans 8.32 will be our key verse, though we'll look at a few passages um, and, and Romans 8.32, we'll talk mostly about perseverance today, but Romans 8.32 sort of captures that abundance of grace that we see in that question and answer. Uh, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Uh, that's, there's gospel logic there, which we'll look at uh, this uh, evening. Um, and so today we look at... Uh, perseverance of the saints in particular. There's so much in this question that we could talk about. Um, I, I wanted to camp out on assurance and peace of conscience and joy in the Holy Ghost, and I, I'm debating on if we'll sort of camp out here for next week as well, um, uh, just balancing that with wanting to cover uh, the catechism over time. Um, but let's start at the end, as it were, uh, and tonight talk about the perseverance of the saints. As we've talked about these other steps along the way of the order of salvation, um, uh, perseverance says simply, those who are truly saved in Christ will persevere, will remain Christian unto the end. Um, and in a minute, we'll look at Murray's uh, definition, but um, uh, this Thanksgiving uh, morning, we, our second annual tradition for the Thompson family, we did the turkey trot. Has anyone done that over in Phoenix? Calvin's done it. Um, so we do like the two mile, uh, it's, it's family friendly and, you know, you get out there, it's cold and you're kind of like, uh, burning some calories ahead of what the day has ahead of you. Um, and you know, Rowan actually ran most of it this year, which was really encouraging. Uh, but Rowan is competitive, like one of her parents, I won't say who, um, and she just kept obsessing over, but who's going to finish first in this race? Um, and I was like, Rowan, this, this isn't that kind of race. There's another race happening today that's a little bit more, you know, uh, but this race is just about getting out there and, you know, it's about just getting to the finish line. And um, it, it, isn't the Christian life like that? Uh, maybe when we're young, we kind of have that mindset that uh, somehow we're going to win at the Christian life. Um, but in the course of the rest of our Christian life, reality hits and we realize, like Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Right? Uh, Amazing that Paul would say that after so much hardship and imprisonment and everything that he went through. Isn't that your desire, that one day you would stand before Christ and say, I've I've finished the race. I fought the good fight by the grace of God. This is what the perseverance of the saints is. Uh, those whom God saves, God keeps. Um, uh, John Murray, you'll see there, um, uh, is a, a great theologian that we've been looking at. His book, uh, Redemption Accomplished and Applied, really goes through all of these. If, if you're ever curious about one of these steps along the way of the order of salvation, his book is a great stop. Um, he has a chapter on each one of them, but he says this, uh, the doctrine of perseverance is the doctrine that believers persevere. It cannot be too strongly stressed that it is the perseverance of the saints. And that means that the saints, those united to Christ by the effectual call of the Father and indwelt by his Holy Spirit, will persevere unto the end. Now, there's so much we could say here, and in some ways there's some controversy, some in-house debates within Christianity of what does this mean and what does it not mean. But tonight I just want to look at three um, biblical arguments um, for the perseverance of the saints, or three biblical grounding, or uh, just like that Romans 8.32, we'll look at again, you can call it gospel logic, um, that you go to these verses, and if if you believe that verse, then necessarily you say, oh, okay, whether I knew it or not, I believe in the perseverance of the saints. So, number one, um, the golden chain. This is our first argument we'll look at very briefly tonight from Romans 8.30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Uh, We often call this the golden chain of salvation. Um, And not only because there's sort of a sequence, uh, but because they're linked together uh, like a chain. Um, uh, if, If God has predestined us, then, then he calls us. And if he's called us, then he's justified us. And if we're justified, we will be glorified with Christ one day. Do you see the gospel logic? If this, then that. Or uh, to put it just sort of plainly, and I think that's on your outline there, the logic is this. He will finish what he started. And you could see this in other texts in Scripture. You might be thinking of Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. What God finishes, he will start. Uh, this is gospel logic. This is biblical logic. Um, one summer, I worked uh, for my grandpa to save up to buy a gaming console. Imagine if I worked and worked and worked and got the money and went to the store and I bought the gaming console and then I brought it home and put it in my closet <laughs> and never played it. <laughs> Maybe that would have been better for my health. But um, with that, that wouldn't make any sense, right? All the, all the work and the preparation and the purchasing, uh, it, 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 it needs finishing. Um, if you think of the logic here, Christ purchased you on the cross if you have faith in him. If he purchased you, do you think then he's going to abandon you between now and glory? That's the logic here. He will finish what he started. Um, he will finish what he started. I, I put uh, Westminster Confession, chapter 17, really dives into some of these things. Um, and, and I'll just leave that for your own uh, perusal. Um, 
but but again, the logic here, if if you've been following that that he chose us before time, we looked at Ephesians 1 and other passages, uh, he loved us and chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, uh, and then we said that uh, in time he actually calls us effectually. Um, the gospel call goes out to all, but he, by his spirit, regenerates us, changes our hearts, calls us, opens our eyes and our ears, calls us by name. Uh, he justifies us through what Christ has done on the cross. We are declared righteous. We have a new status, which means we're adopted into his family. We're now treated as sons and daughters of the living God because we are through Christ. Uh, he's doing this work of sanctification in us we looked at a few weeks ago. If you buy any of that, and I hope you do, then perseverance is just the logical outworking of it. If God chose you and he's working on you and he justified you and you are adopted, then of course he will preserve you unto the end. Uh, This is uh, the logic. He will finish what he started. Number two, um, if, if number one is the golden chain, number two is the great high priest. The great high priest. And we've seen this in Luke chapter 22 a a few months back. Remember, um, as Jesus warned them what was about to happen, this is right before the Garden of Gethsemane. And and, and remember what Jesus says to Simon, 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 behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Uh, But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is a very sort of specific instance of Jesus being this great high priest, praying for his people. Um, And and then and now, you know, we say, but for the grace of God, go I. We could also say, but for the prayer of Christ, go I. Uh, His his prayer on our behalf sustains us. And so the logic is just like we sung, he will hold you fast. Uh, He will hold you fast. Uh, Hebrews 7.25, of course, speaks of this. Uh, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Uh, The same Jesus who said, uh, but Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That's the same Jesus who is now uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, who is interceding on our behalf in the Holy of Holies on behalf of his people. Uh, That's what sustains us. Uh, He prays on our behalf. He sends the Spirit to empower us. He keeps us. Um, he keeps us unto the end. Uh, you'll see. I, I believe on the outline. You'll see Westminster Confession 17, the second section. I sort of get to this. It says the perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election, flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father, upon the efficacy and merit and intercession of Jesus Christ, the abiding of the Spirit and of the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace, from all which ariseth also the certainty and infallibility thereof. Um, isn't, that, um, isn't that wonderful? I mean, it, those of us that have young kids, or you've probably seen in, in, in the foyer, you know, when, when they're very young and they're trying to do a handstand, uh, you know, you have to assist them. Uh, and yet after, what do they say? They say, I did a handstand. <laughs> Right and, and and rightly they're proud, uh, but but no, I mean they would have toppled over. Uh, God holds us fast, and He will do so unto the end. Um, we're not hitting on tonight. The Catechism and the Confession talks about 
okay, well, what about when Christians fall into grievous sin or have these periods of uh, spiritual darkness or, or, or distance from God? I think another day we can dive into that. Um, but here, even even for those who have experienced that, it, he is the one holding them fast. He is the one who brings us out of those times. Uh, so number three, uh, the greater to the lesser is another gospel logic, another gospel argument. And that's right from our main text for this evening, Romans 8.32. Uh, do you hear the logic? Uh, from the? Uh, see if you could spot the greater thing and then the lesser thing. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What was the greater thing in that sentence? He gave his son, like, or the harder thing to give up. If, if God didn't even spare his son, his only son, whom he loves. Remember, we looked at that uh, Genesis 22 passage where... Uh, uh, where Isaac was going to be sacrificed, but the angel stops him and says, no, no, no don't lay a hand on the boy, uh, but not so with Christ. Uh, God the Father, of course, would desire, uh, he loves his son, and yet his son was not spared, uh, but suffered on our behalf. If it, The logic is, uh, if God has done that, if he has not spared his only son, it's such a small thing that he would then just graciously give us all things. We're now his children. Parents love to graciously give their children what they need, not just what they want. Uh, discipline's in there. That's a good thing. And so the logic is he has already done the harder thing. So when we're preaching to ourselves, which we should do often, people might think we're a little uh, crazy, but um, we shouldn't be listening to ourselves but preaching to ourselves when we're thinking, is God really going to give me what I need here? Uh, say, self, did he give you Jesus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're often reluctant even with ourselves, then surely he will give you all things. He didn't spare the greatest thing, the greatest expense, of course. Um, right? I mean, imagine your parents have just bought you your first car, or maybe you had to save up half of it, and they gave half of it, uh, and you realize it needs a new battery. And so you just start despairing at the $200 that the battery is going to be, and you think, oh, my parents are never going to take care of me. But they just buy you this car. No, it wouldn't make sense. You say, no, they, they just took care of me. Of course, <laughs> they're going to take care of me uh, further. Um, God has done the harder thing. He has not spared his son whom he loves. He gave the greatest gift imaginable so that you would have life. How will he not also graciously give you all things? How will he not sanctify you more and more to be like his beloved son? How will he not protect you from the world and the flesh and the devil? How will he not bring you all the way home to glory, one day free of sin and shame forever? You could see how each of these really lead us to a place of assurance of our salvation, right? That if we reflect on the gospel, what he has already done for us, um, it leads to assurance, which is why that catechism question deals with assurance. Someday, I, over and over again, we need to lean into assurance because assurance is a, is a right that Christians have that not all Christians fully take hold of. Um, and so someday we will return. Uh, but just know that these are just three. Uh, there are other gospel logic arguments that Scripture gives. I mean, there's the logic of the covenant, like we saw in 2 Samuel 7, that if the God of the universe swears by his own name to do something— uh, that gives us assurance. He's going to bring us all the way home. There's the logic of the cross 
in our union with Christ. If we've died with him, we've risen with him, he's glorified now, so surely we are unified with him all the way to glory. Uh, There's the logic of God's own reputation. All throughout Scripture, uh, God will will say that he, he does it, he saves his people for his own namesake, for his own glory. His name and his glory is on the line. And if the God of the universe's glory is on the line, surely he will see it through. Uh, do you see how Scripture is just dripping with arguments like this? That they want to say, Christian, no, he will preserve you to the end. Uh, but for now, no. Uh, just remember these. He will finish what he started. He will hold you fast. He's already done the harder thing. Uh, surely he will give you all things and bring you all the way home. Uh, the song we sang you know, says it well. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last bought by him at such a cost, uh, he will hold me fast. Uh, Let's pray. God, we thank you for these precious uh, promises. Uh, Lord, and we pray, even as we lean upon them and have assurance that we, indeed, by your Spirit, will be working at our salvation with fear and trembling, uh, striving with all the energy that you powerfully work within us, uh, so that we get the help, you get the glory. Uh, Lord, we long for the day when we see you face to face. We know that we are on a pilgrim path between now and then, and yet we thank you that there is uh, work to do, kingdom work to do, uh, people to love, um, uh, faith to exercise, uh, a Lord that we trust in. And so I pray uh, that you would help us even this week to trust you, uh, to lean on you for grace uh, that we need in our time of need. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.